What's up, what's up, what's up, what's going on guys? Back for episode number four of The Casting Guy. Oh man, I had a rough, well, the end of last week. I went and got the second uh, vaccine shot. Really kicked my behind. I mean, I recommend everybody do it. I, I, it's such a relief that I, um, you know, I don't have to do mask life uh to the same extent as ever as uh, we've been doing so nice to be fully vaccinated and not worry about getting caught with or catching the virus um like i was previously worried but uh, i'd already had the virus anyway back in october and it really shut me down for like five weeks uh so i knew I don't want any parts of that again. <laughs> Anyways, getting into it, we're gonna we're gonna get into um, you know more requests. I get questions asked to me on Quora all the time. Every week, I get I get plenty of questions, and many of them, you know, I don't answer, but um, many of them I like to answer. So I'm gonna share those answers right here in the 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 Casting Guy podcast, and that's pretty much gonna be the regular format. Um, unless I have a guest or something else comes up, but right before we get into this, I just want to congratulate Sarah Grace Lee again on her role. She just, we just had her on the last episode of the, the Casting Guy podcast talking about everything else, but a few days later, she books a part on a new Netflix show. So, um, that'll be coming out in the near future, I imagine, on Netflix. So, I um, want to congratulate her for that, and I will make more information available about that as I know it, as I learn it, okay? So, alright, moving on, congratulations, Sarah. Um, let's get right into this. Seven questions from Quora. There we go. Let's see. Let's see. What are we gonna What are we gonna talk about today? All right. Let's see. Number one. I'm gonna give the names to to these questioners as well. Oscar Smithian asks, "How do I prepare for a model agency interview?" All right. Good question, Oscar. Really, um, you want to just make sure that you have your portfolio. You know, you have, and if you don't have a portfolio, you know, bring some, 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 some snapshots, you know, everybody takes pictures on their phone nowadays. So you should have something. We're not looking so much for a variety of looks, um, because not everybody has that, but like, if you have a variety of looks, it's cool to see what you could look like. With long hair, straight hair, curly hair, whatever your um, range is, um, but realizing that you know a lot of people don't have range. So, what's most important is pictures of you as you currently are, because that's what you know you're gonna be able to market and sell at the moment. Um, you want to have some pictures. Uh, you, you're probably gonna be expected to take some stills. So, you know, I would recommend bringing like a two-piece bikini if I'm a woman and like some swim trunks if I'm a, if I'm a guy, because they're going to want to see your skin, if you have tattoos, if you have scars, um, they're going to want to see these things like, and they're not going to want to just take your word for it because, too many times that's bitten people in the behind. And so that's not all right anymore for the most part. Every now and then they might just, okay, cool. We'll, we'll, we'll get it next time or whatever. But be prepared for that. They may not want to take steals, but if they do, hey, you're prepared. Okay. So um, that's, you know, be prepared to talk about yourself, you know, we want to typically when I was when I'm holding these kinds of interviews myself, you know, I want to get a sense of what's your ambitions, you know, what else do you want to do outside of this industry? 
Um, this is particularly modeling can be a short lived career. You know, not everybody is blessed like Vanna White to be able to model into their 70s. So for the most of us, <laughs> you're going to have a, I don't want to say sh short shelf life, but relative to other careers, it can be a short shelf life. You know, um, I think Tyra Banks has taken her modeling platform and turned it into a talk show and, you know, turn it into just several different things um also Heidi Klum has done that um there's been a lot of models that have gone from um modeling to other things ventures so you know use this as a platform a, a jumping off point you know for other things you want to do as well you know, whatever that, whether that's uh, financial services, you know, the business world or it's other roles in entertainment, you know, um, this can be an excellent way to get started, particularly for brand new people. Okay. So in your preparation for this uh, agency, don't, don't let your work, work on killing your nerves, not being nervous. Cause we just want to, we just want to talk. We're just people put our pants on one leg at a time. Like you do. Although you will meet, I will warn you, you will meet a bunch of bougie agents that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, I guess sometimes we, I will say this, we deal in a people industry. So sometimes even though people are the commodity, they also, we, we, we work with people so much that we can um, forget we're in a regular conversation with someone and sometimes maybe talk about, talk with people like without the same sensitivity. So what I mean by this is like, say you work the job in, in fast food, right? You might, you might be working at a burger burger king or whatever right you might love hamburgers but you know once you start working at burger king you probably make at least a hundred hamburgers every day so after a while you don't have the same excitement about you know looking at a nice looking hamburger you know and that's kind of what happens with us too you don't get me wrong like you know, we understand the allure, but at the same time, like something does happen where like uh, the same conversation goes down a hundred times a day sometimes. And maybe the conversation is a little less organic or real for us. So that's a challenge for us to try to stay engaged. And, uh, but, but it's pretty easy to do when we're meeting somebody that has something to say. Somebody that has something to say and is interesting it is always fun to talk to. So, and I don't mean blowing us away with your resume or whatever you think might blow us away with, um, but just talk your people skills. That's what matters a lot is we're trying to gauge, are you going to be the kind of person that people want to be around on set? That's important. You know, if you're a drag, yeah, there's worse things in the world than being a wallflower. Nobody minds a quiet person. We want people that are personable and easy to get along with um, because that makes great projects. So, and then, you know, clients request you back. So that's the thing is just remember to bring your charming personalities. Don't, you get into the building, take your, take your sunglass off for goodness sake. You ain't that cool. All right. Um, just don't, don't, don't be inside wearing sunglasses because you think you you know this goes with your look um <laughs> so okay i think that's it oscar hope that helps you moving on if the specs this is autumn autumn nora's okay she asks if the spec script has already been written what other types of development costs would there be oh okay 
So you got a spec script. Just for, for those of you that don't know what a spec script is, it's basically if uh, anybody comes up with a script idea and then they go ahead, sit down and write it out without being um, hired by someone else to write it for them or to um, just basically you want to write a script and try to take it out in the world and sell it. Okay. That's what it is. You did it on spec speculation that you might sell it. It's a, you know, speculative project. <clears throat> All right, so you got one of those scripts. You find some producers that are interested in, in producing this, and you you see this. They're going to do some development costs. What do they mean by this? All right, I've worked in this capacity where I'm a, I've been a script a, script analyst, okay? Um, these are the terms for it. Script consultant, um, ghostwriter, um, yeah, I'm falling short on all the terms, but it, regardless, all boiling down to the same thing. I, I used to be a person that read a script, the green light, tell, telling um, the owner, the company, yeah, I think we should option this or no, we should pass on this. Okay. Um, the development cost might be hiring a ghostwriter to touch up some of your work, you know, or to tailor it some kind of way um there's those kinds of costs also you might want to go after talent attachments maybe not you but the the producers are thinking we're going to go after some talent attachments so to do that oftentimes they have to put some money down and i mean it's, it could be as simple as dinners meetings um literally talent attachments you know uh, you can get, it all depends on the scripts, but the, this particular script, but for example, let's say you want a, a Hollywood A-lister in your movie, right? Well, but you're not trying to book them for a principal role. You're trying to book them for like a, a role that they show up, work one day, and then they're gone. But you're, you're, you're using that A-lister so that you can put them in your trailer essentially so when you're marketing and advertising the movie come comes out you have th this image of morgan freeman or um whatever a lister in your film you know there are agencies that can secure you an a lister f for like 25 grand okay just somebody that felt like getting up and getting out of bed for the day and usually that kind of role is like, you know, they're playing a judge. They're playing something with not like, you know, um, a lot of lines. Kind of a situation they can pretty much wing and improv through it, you know, because they're just like a, a beauty contest judge or a talent contest judge or, um, you know, just something maybe they get into a car accident with the main character or something and that's you know a little pivotal part in the film um i watched a kevin hart film well it wasn't a kevin hart film but it was a movie that based on the trailer it looked like it was a kevin hart film and i think this was with who was it i can't remember the name of the the distributor so when i watched the trailer for the movie, I thought Kevin Hart was all in this, you know, uh, but really the trailer for the most part took part in this one location in this one about three minute scene Kevin Hart was in and uh, the rest of the movie, Kevin Hart wasn't in it at all, but I did go see the movie because I thought, Kevin, oh, Kevin Hart's in this move. Okay, move Kevin Hart's in this film. I'm gonna go watch this. And when I got there, he wasn't in there. Now, the film had a cute premise and all anyway, so I got my money's worth. That was cool. But that's how these kinds of deals can happen is um, an agent will, you know, for 25 grand or maybe more in some case, you know, obviously they'll always take more. But you may for as little as 25 grand, let me put it that way, secure an A-lister, Hollywood A-lister to be in your film for a very bit part. And usually, you can't pick who it is. The agent will just 
tell you, look, I can get you somebody, but uh, they're not going to be able to tell you who they can get you. You know, it's just who they can get to go do it that day wants to make money to buy their niece or nephew some graduation present or something, you know. Um, when you get to that kind of level, you can make 25 grand and all every day, all types of ways. It's just a function of what do you feel like doing today? So, um, yeah, it's, um, that's typically, uh, development costs. There might be, um, those are the big ones, you know, but kind of smoozing along the way to get, um, things moving agents working casting directors might they might be able to hire a casting director to help them start securing other principal talent in the in the uh film and that stuff is important for the producer because a lot of times investors don't want to get involved in a project without talent already on board which is an, a, a very annoying catch-22 because if you have the money the actors are there so it annoys me when I get into these meetings with investors. Well, you got, do you have any talent attached? You know, no. But if I have five, $10 million, I can go get talent attached. That's not the issue. But they want you to have the talent attached before you can get the money. And I just, to me, that's one of the stupidest things. Because if you have the money, you got a hundred actors willing to, to, to sign on to work in your movie. You know what I mean? Um, without money, you're looking for the needle in a haystack willing to, you know, sign a LOI letter of intent um, to say they're going to they're they're willing to be in your project uh, contingent upon funding. You know, how much legwork is that, especially if you don't have personal connection with this uh, celebrity? It's awful. You know, so you end up paying off like their management or their homeboy to uh, give you like an audience with them on a conference call or, um, you know, maybe, maybe, eh, you know, you're not going to get a live meeting. It's not happening. You know, I, I've, I've been pretty close to that kind of stuff. Actually, I have had that, but situation was much, much different. And I actually didn't pay for that anyway. So, but, um, in any case, um, yeah, so those are the kinds of development costs. Uh, it's usually to try to secure talent attachments or, um, you know, update the excuse me, uh, revise the script to some degree, okay? All right, guys, forgive me if I butcher anybody's names. I'm a professional butcher upper of names. So, um, in fact, I, one of the, you know, sheer pleasures in my life is uh, mispronouncing names. <laughs> Actually, I do that for fun, like at castings, to just mess with people. I'll turn Nicole Smith into, Nicole Smith, your turn, you're up, you're up. And, and usually it gets a little bit of a smile and relaxes people a bit. Okay, so let's see, Michael O'Kiki, I believe. What career can one get with a degree in drama slash theater if they aren't able to make a living as an actor, even if they are talented and hardworking? All right, let me repeat that. What, ca what career can one get with a degree in drama slash theater if they aren't able to make a living as an actor, even if they are talented and hardworking? Okay, great question, Michael. Because there are many people that are talented and hardworking uh, and actors that don't get cast in anything and don't become super famous. You know, that's that's normal. OK, um, that's actually the norm, unfortunately, in Hollywood business. So, all right. I would say a great career, great career would be um, financial services financial planning okay not only helping helping people with life insurance slash retirement savings now i know what you're thinking you're thinking man that don't sound like anything i'm remotely interested is interested in okay 
Um, but I, I think if you actually check it out, you actually would be interested in it because like everybody, I don't care what anybody says, everybody in this world hopes to retire. Nobody wants to work forever, every day of their life for the rest of their life. Okay. So just on the basis of you and your own, um, ability to retire, I think the information in and of itself is invaluable. Okay. And helps you to make plans, uh, for the a successful, for a successful retirement. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I think that failing to plan is planning to fail. I didn't invent that. I heard that somewhere and it stuck with me, you know, because it's true. So if you don't plan for retirement, you may, you're, 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 you may fail at setting yourself up for retirement. So many people like think that like they can just start this 401k through their job and like throw the lock and key away and work for this company for 20 years and they don't check on their retirement till it's too late. They check on it in the le- the, the 11th hour. Like, oh, let's see how much money I got because I, I think I'm, maybe I'll retire early. Or, you know, And they look in there and they realize, oh, man, my money took a hit during this recession, uh, another hit in that recession. Everything I gained in this period was wiped out in that period. Uh, man, what, what's my money been doing all this time? You know? So, like, being fiscally responsible there's only one person that's going to take care of you like you want. And that's you. Nobody else. I mean, your parents might, if they are still living when you retire, they would probably want to. But you can't count on that. So, uh, you really you owe it to your own self to be engaged in what's going on with your retirement. Don't wait, count on social security. Nobody's making a living off of that, you know, and God forbid you have some sort of uh, long-term health care needs where you need to be in t- uh, a convalescent, you know, uh, assisted living type of home center. A lot of those places want anywhere from, you know, six to $10,000 a month and i'm not talking about like you know richy rich places i'm talking about your run-of-the-mill uh places that if you don't have the right insurance set up for this kind of stuff in advance it's almost impossible to, like for most the average american they can't really afford to go into an assisted living situation okay so like you really need to start looking into this stuff early and if you're 18, you know, yeah, retirement is a ways out for you. But but here's the beauty of looking into it at 18. You're you're only 18. So if you start up some sort of plan at 18, you could probably be paying a hundred, hundred fifty dollars a month. And I mean, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I could look this up. I could figure this out. If anybody's really interested, just hit me up. You know, um, I could get you numbers and do this kind of work with you. Um, but any, at any case, if you 150 bucks a month at, from the time you're 18 till you're like 45, 50, you're a millionaire, you know, uh, now I don't know how many millions, maybe a couple, maybe more than that. You know, it all depends on the um, type of annuity or type of retirement saving strategy you you decide to go with. Again, I can help you with all this in greater detail on an individual basis if you like. But this is the kind of thing that everybody owes it to themselves to take a look at. So, Michael, here's the beauty of this. You could work or start your own business in this field um get licensed in a month two months max you know study uh take the test 
for your state and get your professional license at this. And, you know, a couple months cost you, you know, two, three hundred dollars at most. And then, you know, you have your own business that literally you can, you know, there are people that make a quarter of a million, half a million, a million dollars a year and more at this kind of uh in this profession really the sky's un, un unlimited so um i highly highly recommend this field you have complete autonomy in terms of well you, look put it this way you don't have to work 40 50 60 hours a week you know you can put five to ten hours a week into this because when you sit down and you talk with clients and um you, you figure out how you can help them those conversations are worth anywhere from uh, two to ten thousand dollars each for you and i'm talking about like the average person t dealing with the security officer dealing with the janitor i'm not saying that you're looking for the one percenters to set up your retirement strategy with you like you might be if you work for a firm like morgan stanley or uh goldman sachs or something like that they're they're looking for people that come into it with two million dollars in assets and whatnot i'm not even saying you work for a firm like that i'm saying you work for a firm that is just catering to middle america and you can easily create six-figure wealth for yourself six-figure income and a year or less okay by getting into this type of financial services so great great question um yes i hope that helps okay and you can actually use your acting skills in that you know you get comfortable with the delivery and improvising and you know man, i'm telling you i think it's a perfect career if you if you're gonna ask my opinion okay uh number four kevin home or kevin hom excuse me does Dwayne Johnson have to audition for roles to take part in? Uh, Kevin, I doubt it very much. So, you know, if um, if Dwayne Johnson is available to do your movie or whatever, you know, if it's decided that he's the right type, chances are they're just giving Dwayne the role. You know, he he does a lot of producing now too. With he one of the producers on Ballers, which I know is over. But the point is, is that, you know, he can, he, he doesn't mind being in the driver's seat of, of, of his own vehicles for fame and money and success. So he's probably taking less and less um, pitches from outsiders. Uh, unless you're like a big studio film or something. I mean, obviously... He, he, you know, it's always nice to have ideas brought to you instead of you having to think up your own ideas. You know, it's that'll keep you working. If you just work on stuff that you you think of all the time, you might not work too much. So, to answer your question most specifically, does Dwayne Johnson have to audition for roles? No. And if someone demands that he auditions. He just might say, well, I don't need the part that bad because the thing about it is he's got multiple offers all the time, you know? So it's not a money thing for him. You know, it's he's got, what, a couple TV ballers. He had the show, what was it, the Titan show or something like that where they're, like, doing those challenges, competing um, for this, uh, you know, like uh, – competing like uh i don't know what they're doing some sort of like obstacle course com competition i never watched it but i saw the trailer for it so nah he's not in a position where he has to audition for anything all right moving on m fahad let's see who has a more successful acting career tom hanks or harrison ford mm, man that's a tough question i don't know you know, I I'd say I'm I love Tom Hanks. I'm more of a Tom Hanks fan. Tom Hanks makes the films that he's in like I guess I feel like Harrison Ford 
he's been in Star Wars. He's Indiana Jones. You know, those f- franchises in and of themselves are big franchises. Now, in Star Wars, he was one of an ensemble of cast members that made that larger-than-life story amazing. I mean, that movie, that that franchise is so well-respected, well-received, that like you can really cast nobodies in that, and people would still pay full ticket prices to go see it because the universe of Star Wars is just so large, it doesn't need an A-list name to get people to go see the film. And I don't even think when Harrison Ford was in the original Star Wars, I don't know, I I don't think he had been much of an actor at that point. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I believe he was a set carpenter and got the opportunity to be in um project. And uh, that's what began his acting career. But I, I, I really don't know that 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 well now the indiana jones franchise really he really heads that franchise and really is indiana jones the main character but i don't know um he's and he's also done a lot of other movies of course they both have probably made you know more money than you or I might see in 10 lifetimes. Um, I guess Tom Hanks has the Oscars. You know, he's probably got more awards. So I think I could safely say Tom Hanks would be the most, the more successful one. If you measure it by accolades, perhaps. If you measure it by money, Tom Hanks probably wins again, but I don't know for certain. I don't know for certain. You know, they're both great, great, tremendous, tremendous talent. Okay. Neil Anderson. Hollywood called, and they're making a film of your life. This is fun. They want to know what it's called, what genre it should be. And who, dead or alive, will play you? Hmm. <laughs> if Hollywood called me to make a film about my life, I would say the f- two people they should, maybe three people. I would say either Will Smith will play me, Tay Diggs, or maybe Omar Epps. Those one of those three guys, it would probably be a, it would definitely be like a drama, something in the vein of Jerry Maguire. So comedy, drama, dramedy. Yeah, that's what it would be. It would be whatever you consider Jerry Maguire. It's more of a drama, but there's a whole lot of humor in that film, especially from Rod Tidwell. Um, even though he's playing it serious, it's super funny um (laughs) man it was a great movie i'm more of that knight in shining armor type type of guy i'm not trying to like woo woo you by being some bad some bad boy you know i don't i don't have any fun perpetuating that type of uh aura you know acting like i um even though i'm from detroit i don't have any gratification or anything from feeling like I'm from the streets you know I I don't even try to put that on you know what I mean trying to elevate my image so uh, moving on Miko Riskilla how true is it that Arnold Schwarzenegger sold the movie ideas to producers and directors where he wanted to act in, especially in the 90s? I think I understand the question. I think you're asking me, is it true that Arnold Schwarzenegger sold movie ideas to producers and directors that he wanted to be in? 
<clears throat> I don't think that's true at all. Um, you know, I Schwarzenegger was such an anomaly. You know, being an Olympic athlete, big guy like he is, he's basically the the predecessor to Dwayne Johnson. You know, um, and he's just such a kind of I don't want to say freak of nature, but you know, he was, you know, the guys the guy's really been a success in at least three different arenas. Uh, first of all, I've heard that he's so smart that like. He'd be a millionaire in anything he does. Okay. And I, I believe it because number one, Olympic uh, bodybuilding. Um, why am I saying Olympics? Was he in the Olympics? I'm, I'm imagining he was in the Olympics. I guess so. But uh, yeah, I mean, he was a bodybuilding pro, put it that way. And uh, one of the best to do it ever. Okay. So he rises to the he rises to the top in that. He becomes an uh, A-list superstar actor in the Predator movies, the Terminator movie, um, Total Recall. I mean, he's got so many movies. It, it's it's it's. And funny thing is, I think his first big film Terminator was Terminator, James Cameron. And I could be wrong. Maybe it wasn't his first big film. Fact checkers, feel free to fact check me. Um, but he, I, I don't think he speaks a a line in in the Terminator. <laughs> but in any case, you know, the Terminator wouldn't have been the Terminator without Schwarzenegger. I mean, just listen to his name, Schwarzenegger. Like he is the only Schwarzenegger, probably ever. It's kind of like this whole, like, I don't know, Kardashian, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Let me not, let me not get derailed with them. Um, but yeah, Schwarzenegger, I don't think that's true. I don't, first of all, I don't think he had to sell himself on too much stuff. I think that people just saw him and just thought he was just so freakish. If he could act, that would be even one more thing. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Were those Conan movies? I think those Conan movies were before the Terminator. So maybe Terminator wasn't his uh, first big film. But maybe that was his first major Hollywood production. Because the Conan movies, I felt like they were like B, 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 um, B films or something, if there is such a thing. I could be wrong. any case. All right, I think that's... Seven questions. I'm going to do a bonus question because there's a couple people that asked me something. Uh, let me see. who. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world, Miss Princess Renita Flores, asked me a question. What did she ask? How? I want to I get, let's see. How do I become a movie director at Disney? Well, okay. I was answering that question on Quora and, um, you know, basically Disney has, they have, uh, obviously a huge animation, uh, portfolio, uh, projects that they put out. So you're doing a lot of voiceover work, which is a lot of fun, in my opinion, and kind of less headache. Cause you don't have to worry about the shots. You don't have to worry about uh, lighting, a lot of things you don't have to worry about um, when you're directing voiceover performances. Um, but you know, they do have movies too. You know, they, they, in fact, they've got a movie coming out with Dwayne Johnson. Uh, what is that movie coming out? Um, I can't, I can't remember the name, but he kind of looks like Indiana Jones a little bit, ironically, talking about these people. Um. And then, you know, Disney Channel has a lot of shows that that uh, use live talent. It's, or it's live action filmed, that kind of stuff, too. So, if you want to become a movie director at Disney, Renita, I think you really have to 
do other projects first. They don't really take first-time people from what I can see. And maybe not exclusively. I could be wrong here and there. But for the most part, what I notice is a lot of the people that direct those projects were working on other films beforehand. You know, now... Let me say something about Princess Renita. I think she's I'm not she hasn't told me how quite you know how old she is yet. I'm hoping she'll tell me how old she is. But Renita's very curious about the world she lives in and everything around her. So she's asked me a lot of very interesting questions over the last 3 to 6 months, I'd say. And um so I always look forward to answering her questions. I would suggest this, Renita, Renita, I believe it's Renita. If you go on imdb.com and you search for, you know, Disney productions or just look up one of your favorite Walt Disney films and that'll take you, you can, you know, find links to other Disney films. And when you look in those links, you'll be able to see who directed those films. And then what you should do is click on the directors and look at the other projects that they've directed and just kind of see how many other movies, shorts, videos, whatever, that they've done listed on IMDb. And then know that not every project that they've ever done is even listed on IMDb because you don't always list the stuff as you're growing and learning, okay? So they've probably done more projects, but at least get an idea of how many projects they have listed on IMDb before they did their first Disney movie. And that can give you an idea for yourself of how many projects you're going to need to direct before you start um, directing your first Disney picture, pitching yourself with an agent to Disney to direct something, okay? All right. Let's hope that answers that. Um, I think that's it. There was, seemed like I wanted, there was one other bonus question I was going to answer. Let me see. Just double check. Maybe not. Oh, <laughs> who's your celebrity crush and why? That was funny. I don't know who asked me this, though. You know, for the longest time, my celebrity crush was two, two different, well, three different women. I know I'm cheating on all of them in my head, right? <laughs> Demi Moore, Salma Hayek. And Megan Good. Now, I have met Salma Hayek and I've met Megan Good. I met Salma when she was casting the movie she directed on Showtime many, many eons ago. Probably about close to 20 years ago. And I was, I'll never forget, I was a studio tech in this, in the casting studio. She was casting in and me and my boy we knew she was uh we well we didn't know where she was but we had written this script and you know we had in our imaginations imagined her as one of the characters and this was before we even knew she was gonna be ever casting a project at the studio knew ever like the closest we thought we'd ever get to her was one of her old acting coaches actually was a teacher at this studio. He taught part-time as an acting teacher in this uh, casting studio. So we're on assignment in the very back of the studio, like just like folding up 50 folding chairs or something. You know, we're just we're never thinking we're going to get the opportunity to see Selma. <laughs> and like we would, we kind of like imagine what would we do if we get to see her. Cause this was the largest casting studio in New York. And it was like, I don't know, eight to 10 studios there. So it was size quite sizable. 
But she comes out of the stu- her her stage to go to the bathroom. Nature called. And we happen to be stuck back there by the freight elevator. Between the freight elevator and the bathrooms. Doing these folding chairs. And she came out. And my buddy is Dominican. So he had the gall to speak to her in Spanish, you know. And so she immediately starts talking to us. She's talking to him. He introduces, you know, he introduces me to her. She shakes my hand. And my buddy's like, like, later on after we're not with her, he's like, man, why she, I'm talking to her in Spanish, but she shakes your hand. <laughs> he was jealous about that. I said, man, I'm never watching this hand again, bruh. <laughs> And so, yeah, oh, we ended up like, yeah, it was sweet. She was at the studio for like 10 days casting her movie. And we ended up like talking to her a couple times. And like, we gave her our script that we wrote. And like, we were so like proud that like we even did that. And of course, it didn't get any further than that. Um, and in fact, if you got some people around the studio's studio, furious that we like were able to cash in on an opportunity like that so you know we we had to lay low a little bit after that but uh yeah that was quite quite a um i'll never forget that because that was you know she had done some movies right that time that like i was a big fan of frida and um I don't know, I think I watched her in Dust Till Dawn. Um, I don't know, I was a big fan of hers at that at that moment, so uh, that was really cool. And then Megan Good, you know, like I w- went out a couple times um, with her just to discuss doing some projects, and, um, you know, we had a few mutual friends, so we would see each other at, like, after parties of movies, um, or, you know, I guess it'd be more like dinners at bars and stuff after these documentary art film kind of screenings. Or we had a f- friend that directed, he directed this movie called, I believe he directed Video Girl. And I had written a script very similar to that that I wanted her to star in. And I was trying to uh, get her my script, not knowing my boy, uh Ty, I believe it at the time. I believe he directed. In fact, let me look that up because I don't want to be on here just spouting uh, the wrong information. Let me see. Um, but in any case, yeah, I remember his birthday party being over at his house. And she was there. And so, like, we got to know each other a little bit. I remember one time at at, at um, lunch, she said to me, or she didn't say, I mean, she, of course she said some stuff to me, but she kissed me on the cheek afterwards. This is pr- before she was married. And I was, oh, I'm never going to wash my face again. This, never washing this cheek again. <laughs> and uh, she was tickled with me. But um, yeah, those were my, Hollywood crushes, you know, Demi Moore, I never, I don't think, I, I never ran into her anywhere. Um, yeah, see, I was going to say, okay, just, just so I can fact check myself. Yeah, directed by Ty Hodges. That's all right. That's, I mean, that's right. Because, see, I never even went to see the movie because I was, I was jelly. I was like, man, why, why y'all leave me out of this? Ty, you should have used my script. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I knew quite a few people in that in that movie, and um, yeah. In any case, Sulan. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the trailer again. I haven't watched this in years. I mean, I ain't never even watched the movie, but I'm gonna check this out, Video Girl, and just see reminisce. Um, but in any case, okay, guys, that's it for podcast number four. Episode number four of the casting guy. 
Um, guys, ladies, feel free. Check out acxlifestyle.com for your women's fashion. Um, I'm trying to update more and more new and new inventory every week, every day if I can, but I don't get it up there every day. Um, yep, acxmodels.com. I'm looking for models right now, especially in the Detroit area um, and the L.A. area. I'll be out. I'll be back in L.A. next month for a little while so uh gotta arrange some shoots while i'm out there and then other than that um everybody i'll talk to you soon on the next episode take care peace and love to you guys okay we out <laughs>